everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, January 11th, year of our Lord, 2021. And uh, this will be episode two of, or um, yeah, episode two of season two. So um, the past week here, uh, not not a really great week for me. Just kind of um, spiritually blasé, I guess. You know, it's uh, just status quo. Not nothing really great. Nothing really too tragic or terrible. Um, I I hate the the doldrum of of some of our our, or at least for me personally, my my spiritual walk because. We're supposed to rejoice always in the Lord. Like the Christian life should be one that's dominated by joy. Um, we have so much to be thankful for and grateful for. And really that's the key is, is thankfulness and gratefulness. But um, because I so often give attention to the flesh, I, I live a lot of my life in um, discontentment. You know, uh, not just wishing you had um, a different lot in life, but... Um, just full of regrets over personal sins because of the struggle with sin. So instead of having this, and and I'm I, I mentioned before, like I'm a pretty emotionally stable person, so I don't have a really extreme lows and extreme highs. It's it's I'm really just kind of middle of the middle of the road. And um, so on the one hand, where while we are supposed to have this great joy in the Lord my persistent sin and struggles with sin and giving into the flesh um, tempers that and I find myself in a state of um, not necessarily gloom, but just, blasé is the right word. I I don't know what another word for that is. Just kind of, um, um, just a lackadaisical... what is what is the word for and not late lethargy is there or is it lethargy i don't know how to pronounce that word lethargic so i would suppose it would be lethargy is that is that a word <laughs> i don't know if that's the right word but I, I find most of my life is spent in kind of this dull um state of existence rather than the joy and, and that's a that's a sin to my part and like I say it's because of of not being thankful and not being grateful like I ought to be we ought to wake up every day and just thank the Lord and and remember um that we were once doomed sinners lost and heading for hell and we've been saved and redeemed by the grace of God and, and we're no longer going to hell so we ought to be filled with rejoicing and uh, just to to like you know no matter what state you find yourself in life, um, you have more than what you deserve, really. And and so we ought to be thankful and grateful. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a sad state that a Christian would find themselves in just this dull, uh, tedious going through the motions of life. But but really, that's that's what I do on a week-to-week basis, you know. You wake up, you go to work, you, you know, you... you, you you do your hobbies and 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 then you go to bed and you do it all over again and it's like man where's where's the joy in life but if we were to just wake up and 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 remember what we have to be thankful for 
and and offer praises to God, that would totally change our whole perspective. But um, to my own shame, I, I find myself not doing what I ought to do. And um, so that kind of leads me to my first thought here is um, I had this idea earlier in the week about how we hunger and thirst after prayer. Like in 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 my personal life, I desire to have a greater prayer life. I, I want to be um I want to desire prayer. I want to 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 spend copious amounts of time um on my knees or in my prayer closet or just quietly meditating upon the things of the Lord, you know, just thinking upon him. And there's this great longing in my heart because I know that there's satisfaction there. I know that there's great joy in the presence of the Lord, which comes through prayer. I know that that in his presence is the fullness of joy. I've I've tasted and seen these things, you know. It's it, there's been times in my life where I've been so fulfilled, so satisfied, so overjoyed um with his presence and with with prayer. So knowing that, knowing that's the avenue, that that's where joy, this rejoicing and 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 contentment and peace and happiness is found is in that prayer closet. I then look at my life and I go, okay, knowing that, why don't I go to it? Why is it that I can know there is joy? There it is. I, I can I, I know where it's at. I can go get it. Why don't I go get it? Why do I find myself so often resistant um to going to prayer, resistant to to um seeking that joy, seeking the Lord? And I was thinking about that the other day, and I really think it's because of the comfortable lives we live. Here in America, uh, we have such an abundance of things, an abundance of comforts, that anytime I'm feeling any sort of discontentment, anytime I'm feeling any sort of boredom, for me, that's that's the big one is boredom. I, I, like I say, I don't necessarily get depressed. I don't necessarily get um, high lows and high highs. I just... I'm middle of the road, but but I'm often bored. I'm I'm very dissatisfied with the excitement level in my life. Really, I guess is how I would say it. But um, that boredom causes the flesh. So so here's the thing: when we're discontent, the flesh then desires an outlet desires an avenue to bring some sort of pleasure. Um, and that, that's when, when, when sin and cravings become so strong and so powerful is when we're down, when we're depressed or bored or angry or sad or whatever it is, any, anything outside of joy, anything outside of contentment. Whenever we're feeling something outside of that, um, we're in a vulnerable vulnerable spot because then the flesh is super powerful. Then sin seems very tempting because the flesh learns that I can turn to these avenues and get instant satisfaction. I can get instant gratification. I can get instant pleasure. And, and so when you're in this state, and like I say, for me, it's boredom. So I'm going to just use myself as an example. When I'm in the state of boredom, and I know I should go to the Lord. Like in Him is 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 where I will find um, my peace. 
in him is where I'll find my excitement and my joy and my contentment. Uh, but that's going to require sacrifice. The flesh doesn't want that. It's going to require me to, to get up, to go to my prayer closet, um, to set aside time, um, to, to, to turn the thoughts off, you know, the, the wandering uh, slideshow that goes throughout your mind and just focus on the Lord. I know that it's going to require effort. And so when those moments of displeasure come and I know I can turn to prayer to get the answer, my flesh says, hey, there's a quicker, easier answer. And 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 that shows itself in various different forms throughout through you know different people. For me, it's it's always entertainment. It's always just really really easy to just turn the TV on, find something to watch, and shut the mind off. Just veg out and be entertained, be amused. Um, so I don't I, then I'm no longer bored. I have something to fulfill that. And um. I've talked about in the past how how I'd I'd come into this time where that was no longer satisfying, and and so you're stuck in this catch twenty two because you have this craving and desire to be satisfied within you. You have this craving and desire to be filled with joy, and you know where real joy, real satisfaction, real contentment comes from, real lasting um, joy is in, is in his presence. You know there is the solution. I can go to prayer. I can get quiet before the Lord. But the flesh reaches out and says, hold on, there's an easier way. There's a quicker way. And and, and it seems like we, we often go for the quicker, easier way. So we're left dissatisfied. We we get an it's we get a jolt of pleasure. You get one moment, you get one instant of pleasure, and then it's gone immediately. There's no sustainability in it. There's no fulfillment in it. It's empty. You know, it's temporary. It's fleeting. It passes quickly. Um, and and but so often we we trade the long-lasting, sustaining joy of the Lord for these quick temporal pleasures. And so it's very disheartening. It's like, man, I know what I ought to do. I know where the real joy is, but I don't do it. I go for the easy answer. And so it's 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 just a real struggle for me because, uh, like I say, it, it, it's this Americana comfortable lifestyle we have where we have an abundance of pleasures on every side of us. And in in one split second, I can I can turn to a multitude of different things that will fill my mind and fill my time and and bring me some semblance of pleasure. And so it becomes really really easy to sacrifice those times with the Lord for these instant satisfactions, and it's discouraging. It's it's you know it's um. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, uh, like, how is it just self-control and temperance? Is it is it um, just obedience to say no? It's a, it, that's what it is. It's a denying self. It's a sacrificing self, denying the flesh. The flesh wants these quick answers. It's saying no to it. And and going to the long term solution, the prayer closet, and um, like I say, I, I, I it's 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 sad that you can know that that's where it's at, that that's where the answer's at, and yet not go to it. 
I tried to use an analogy to describe it to my brothers. I said, it's like if you're sitting in your chair and you're starving to death, you haven't eaten in, in so long, you're, you're super hungry, you're just super desirous and, and craving of food, you know, at that desperate hunger situation. And, and next to you, you have a refrigerator full of all sorts of good foods ready to eat. All you got to do is get up and go get it. But you're so lazy that you won't get up to do it. You know there's the solution, there's the answer, but you won't do it. Um, and, and that's like, I find myself spiritually lethargic, spirit, spiritually lazy, knowing that the fullness of pleasure is in that prayer closet, but just too lazy to go to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's much easier to just turn to an instant gratification. That takes no effort. Going to the prayer closet takes effort. And so it's like, uh, it, it's, it, you see all these things. It's like, Lord, it, the prayer ought to be, uh, Lord, take away the, the pleasures of the flesh. Make it so that they're not desirable. Um, grant me the, the motive and energy and desire to go to prayer and and cause me to hunger and thirst for that prayer um it's just you know i th- i feel like i'm robbing myself there there's joy to be had and i don't go get it and uh so i was i was thinking about that earlier this week just like this this lack of prayer life even though you know that that's the solution it's it's such a foolish thing it doesn't make sense but yet it happens because of of this spiritual laziness so anyways that that was something i was thinking about earlier this week and then um i i had another thing that kind of happened it real it was a real brief moment and it was real small um small in like strength and and what i mean by this is i i experienced this this kind of out of nowhere moment of god's love and it was just a sliver of it. I just got a taste of it, and it was just for a second. But it was so unexpected and so out of the blue that it kind of it kind of took me. I was like, "Wow!" Um, I, I, and and so I was just kind of relaxing. I was reading a book, and um, like I say, it, it just it sprung out of nowhere. My, I don't think I was thinking anything about uh, the love of God. It, it wasn't um, something that had occurred to me. Um, I don't remember what I was reading in the book. I, I don't think it had anything to do with this particular topic. But so I, I was just there in that moment, and all of a sudden I just got this, this. I don't know how to explain it. Like, like you just get um, drenched, like soaked in the love of God. All of a sudden you just sense and feel um, how much he loves us and the, the power of his love. And it and it comes over you and it rejoices your heart and it brings tears to your eyes. And and for me in this moment, it was just like I say, it was a split second. It, it happened and then it was gone. But it was enough to cause me to tear up and, 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 and to think about the love of God. And it's something that's been on my heart quite a bit um, over the last few years. Like the the... I've been saved now for um, 19 years, uh, going on 20. It'll be 20 years in April. 
And for the vast majority of that, um, I, I loved the Lord with all my mind. Like I was so en- enraptured by his word and taken by the wisdom of God. And, and I would just get so overwhelmed uh, when he would reveal something in his word. It would bring so much joy. I loved learning about God. I loved um, experiencing him with my mind, like thinking about the things of God, seeing uh, the revealed wisdom of God in the Holy Scriptures, and and having his spirit open those scriptures up and explain them to my heart. Um, like it was just, that was just the most amazing part of my Christian walk. And it was that way for, for a long time. It still is that way, but um, I, I started to realize a couple of years ago, I started thinking about that, you know, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so I started thinking, I've loved the Lord with all my mind, I think. You know, I, I, I've, and and even that, you know, we fail even in our best efforts, like, because um, there's times where you're not thinking about the Lord, you're wasting your thought life on other things, so you're not loving him with all your mind. Um, but I realized how much I lacked in loving the Lord with all my heart. And, and, and so I, I would often think about like, what is love? You know, have I really felt, I know the love of God from an intellectual perspective. I know he loves me and I, I understand the concept. I understand what he did for me and why he did it. He did it out of love and I understand um, that, you know, before we were born, he loved us and, and chose us. And, and so I understand those things from an intellectual perspective, but I don't know if I always feel those things. And when I do feel them, I don't feel them on the depth that other people seem to do. You know, I think about like some, of some of the great preachers I've heard that, uh, weep while they're preaching. And it's like, they, cause they, they, they've experienced that love of God. And so it's often grieved me, like, I don't know if, because of my disposition, because I'm not really an emotional person, I, I sat and think, I sat and thought, like, do I even know what love is? Like, outside of the um, academic, intellectual understanding of love, do I have an experiential knowledge of love? Um, do I Do I know what love really is in in a feeling sense do i feel love and so I, i've thought about this for years and it, it 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 often grieves me like i want to know um in an experiential way the love of god i don't want to just know about it intellectually i want to feel it i want to feel his love for me i want i i want to and i want to be able to respond cuz i feel like that is how then you would respond in love he first has to shower you with that feeling of love. I have the intellectual knowledge of it, so I'm able to return it intellectually. But I want to experience it emotionally and return it emotionally, um, if that makes sense. And so like that, that little moment of God's love that I had, just feeling that presence come over me, that's what I'm looking for. And... Um, 
it's it's something that's lacking you know it's 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 and then i suppose you think about like love the lord with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul that's uh, you know i don't know what that looks like and with all your strength i i don't know what that looks like either um you know it's 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 my most of my spiritual walk has been based on the intellectual aspect of it and that's not to say that it's not experientially real that I'm, I'm missing out it is but the level the depth of my emotional connection is shallow um because i just i don't know i haven't experienced like i my my I don't know if it's nature or or what it is, but that that prevents emotional um, depth and 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 I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm just kind of rambling, but I'm trying to explain that the bottom line is I want to experience the love of God um, so that I can then love Him as He loves me. You know, because I, I, I know I lack in love. I lack. Um, in love for God and for others. I, I'm, I'm not an empathetic person. I'm not, uh, I just don't have it in me. And, and perhaps that's because I haven't experienced it because how do we, how do we reflect back what we haven't gotten? Like we give back what we get, you know, I, I, I do teaching videos and I speak about the things that I've learned of God because I've learned them because it's been given to me. It goes out. So in order to give love, we have to receive love. And, and, to, and in order to fully receive love, it can't just be an intellectual acknowledgement of it. It has to be an experiential, emotional connection. And, and so I, I desire that greatly. I feel like it's a major part of my Christian walk that's lacking. And, and, and I think it affects everything I do. It affects uh, the lack of empathy and love that I have for others. It, it affects um, just my demeanor, my disposition, my, my, my compassion, my, my understanding. It, it, it affects everything. And, and so, you know, like I say, for the last few years, I've, I've, I've been uh, desiring to know the love of God um, so that I can return to him and to others that same love. Um, if that makes sense. And, and every once in a while I get a little taste of it. Um, and just here recently, just, it just happened again the other day and, and it's an amazing, beautiful thing. And I, I, I want it and I desire it. And I know the Lord says, ask and you will receive. So I know he will give it in his timing. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, um, I guess that would lead me to uh, the 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 third thought that I had this week, which was just, and I'm sure everybody again is thinking about it. Something that's come up often in these podcasts. We're living in very perilous times in this country, you know, with with the with the political atmosphere, with the way the media portrays everything. It's just a chaotic atmosphere. It's 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 like we're just on the verge of bursting, and and and. You know, how, how does a Christian respond to that? What are we supposed to do about it? Here recently, I've just kind of uh, come back to the idea of, of just focusing on the kingdom of God 
uh, letting the secular world worry about the secular world. You know, it's it's shouldn't be too much of our concern. We should be aware, I guess, but but not caring, um, in a sense that we're not anxious, we're not worried, we're not um, unsettled. We we trust God to be sovereign over the nations and over the political atmosphere. So, um, but you just it, it's very sad. I, I get sad because. Um, there's so much deception going on and there's so many people bought into it and that's very discouraging. It's like, man, this world is, is, I I don't, how do you even explain the time that we're living in? How do you even explain, uh, this current situation in America? Like what, what are we looking at here? We've, we've got, um, Just massive media lies in in every area, from the scientific to the health to the political, just lying, lying, lying. It's all just it's it's obviously pro- propaganda, government propaganda with an agenda to point people in a certain direction. You can like it's obvious you can see this, but yet people go along with it, and and you've got the politicians that that follow suit and are just full of lies, just constantly lying about everything. And and it's so obvious. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this. I just remember the other day I got really sad about it, which was a change in direction for me because in the past I've been getting angry about it. And so sad is, is good. It's a good change from being angry. I went from, you know, just desiring rebellion and, 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 and revolution to just um, looking at it like a, 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 it's just a broken society. And it's very sad. And it, it makes you wonder, it's like, I don't know where we're heading. I don't know where we're going. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom people out there that say we're in the last days. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, I have no idea what's coming. Um. I have my theories based on uh, the conspiracy type um, research and studying that I've done. I, I can I can assume that I know where things are heading, but but we don't know if that's really the plan or not. We, we you know I guess it comes back to we just got to trust God. He is sovereign over the nations. He is um, the king over all kings. He ha- he holds kings have hearts in his hands, and he directs them like rivers of water. Um, he points nations in the direction they're supposed to go. He turns the tides of things. He decides um, our, our fates as nations. And so we ought to trust him regardless of what's going on in this world. But in the meantime, there's so many people that are deceived and so many people that are blind. And, and that part is heartbreaking. It's like, man, you know, how could people just be going along with this? Um, I don't know what I'm getting at. I, I guess it was just really sad, you know, thinking about just the way things are going. Um, and and it's it would seem like we're heading in, into even sadder times. Um, things are not looking good for this country. There's massive censorship going on. And, and that's all going to be directed at Christians eventually. You know, it's it's we are the enemy. Um, they want to silence our voice. They want to silence the message of Jesus Christ. They want to silence the gospel. And um, so the the path we're on 
is one that leads to persecution of Christians. How far down that path we are, I don't know. I can't tell. But we're on that path. And 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 many of our loved ones are going along with that plan. And that's very sad. It's very, very discouraging. Um, not discouraging, that's not the word, because discourage implies a lack of hope. But we know who wins in the end, and we know who's sovereign over all things, so there ain't really a whole lot of... Um, discouragement in it. It's it's more just of sad. Sad is the word. You know, it, the state of the world is right now just very, very um, gloomy. And um, so, yeah, I guess, um, and I I didn't have too much to say about that, and I don't know if I had an ultimate point. I just it's kind of interesting. I, I went from listening to, to political podcasts every day and being filled with anger and rage to not really listening to them at all. And my rage has subsided and I'm just kind of getting refocused on the kingdom. And But when you do see what's going on in social media and, and what's going on on the news, um, it's it's very sad. So anyways, um, we're coming up on the break here. Um, on the other side, I got a couple other issues that I want to talk about. Um, two other things that have occurred to me here over the last week. And uh, so I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, just hold on one moment and we'll be back on the other side of this break. Hey, welcome back to the weekly walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. Uh, you're listening to uh, Season 2, Episode 2. And um, I was just talking about how, how sad the political atmosphere is in America. Not just the political atmosphere, but the entire culture. Um, everything is just very uh, divided and, and angry. And um, from, a, from a biblical Christian perspective, um, who has awareness and discernment, it's so obvious to see that it's all based on deceptions. This is all being stirred up by a lying media and lying politicians. And um, it's just, it's it's very sad to see so many people falling for it. And, and not just falling, because it's not just that they're falling for it. It's that the fact that so many people are falling for it um, is affecting our entire nation. Um, people buying into the propaganda is going to affect my life, my personal life, and my family's life. Um, policies are going to be set. Directions are going to be determined because of these lies. And it's it's hard to because as a Christian, we know that God is in control. We need to be okay and just trust that he knows what he's doing. But then you see that the whole thing, is, that like the direction we're heading in is based on deception and that's a hard thing to just be okay with, um, but we we trust the Lord, you know. And so, ultimately, it just comes back to that. You know, we just we have to worry about the kingdom. We we preach the gospel. We we fight sin. We live for holiness, and 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 let the Lord do the rest. You know, it's uh, whatever will be will be. If if we come into hard times, so be it. You know. Um, it's, it's just our lot is already determined by God. So 
anyways, um, I had another thought here, um, just a, a day or two ago. Um, this is something that I think about quite often. I was thinking about the, the idea of the Antichrist. Um, because a- anybody who knows me knows that I believe that Roman Catholicism is the Antichrist. Uh, the Bible doesn't doesn't call any specific person an Antichrist. Uh, the, the Bible says that Antichrist is a spirit and that there's many Antichrists. Um, although I think that section does imply that there is an ultimate Antichrist, uh, but whether or not that's an individual or a system um, is up for debate. No, no individual is referred to as the Antichrist. There, there are several. When you look into um, end times um, eschatology, it, it can get quite tricky. There are several characters um, that are mentioned in 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 symbology, and uh, like there's the the little horn from the book of Daniel. There's the man of sin from the from the book of Thessalonians. Uh, there's the the um, Antichrist uh, spirit, which is mentioned in First John. There's sorry about that. There's the uh, beast. Uh, well, there's two beasts mentioned in the Book of Revelation. Uh, there's the woman who rides the beast. There's the false prophet. Um, so there's all these different uh, symbolic incarnations of evil. Uh, when talking about the end times. And, and so th- it's like, can we incorporate all of them into one being called the Antichrist, uh, which is typically what you would see with Americana eschatology, the left behind pre-trib uh, type eschatology. It's it's all uh, geared under one umbrella, one, one man that'll be a political ruler that takes over uh, a united world and, and he'll be the Antichrist. Um, but if you look back throughout church history, um, a lot of the the early church fathers, the the from the Protestant faith, uh, believed that the Antichrist was the Roman Catholic system headed by the Pope. So, in a sense, you could say the Pope is the Antichrist in the sense that he is the head of this Antichrist system, and um, so people like John Calvin, Martin Luther. Um, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, Charles Spurgeon, all these guys uh, from the olden days believed this, believed that that Pope was Antichrist. And I tend to agree with them. Uh, when you look at the description of the man of sin in the book of Thessalonians, when you look at the description of the little horn in the book of Daniel, and then you learn the history of Roman Catholicism, um, it seems pretty obvious, and uh, the I, I would say that the the woman who rides the beast in the Book of Revelation is also Roman Catholicism. So, uh, can we call the little horn the man of sin and the woman who rides the the beast the Antichrist? If that's the title you want to apply to it, that's fine. I would just say that it's a system, not a person, although it's headed by a person. And then, um, but the idea I was having um, again this week, and like I say, it's a, it's an idea I've thought about several times, is um, Jesus said that many would come in his name. Many would come, you know, proclaiming to be Christ. 
And in Rome, we have that. There's a whole lot of popes uh, throughout throughout our history in the last 2,000 years. I, I don't know how many popes there's been, but I, I think there's probably been hundreds of them. And they claim to be Christ in flesh. They 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 proclaim themselves to be the Holy Father. So uh, many come in his name. That would be many. And um, they sit in the throne of God proclaiming themselves to be God. The, you know, the Pope has a big throne that he sits upon, uh, wearing his, his fancy clothes. He gets carried around in his, his, his carriage, and people come and bow down and kiss his ring. And um, he, he's got all sorts of blasphemous titles that he calls himself. Um, so it, it just seems to me that that, that office is the Antichrist. Um, and so then I start thinking, well, will there be an ultimate Antichrist? Will there be a, a a finale, a final head, you know, one of these popes with with ultimate power over the entire world? And it seems to make sense to me. And and one of the things that, that I was thinking about is um, before Jesus came on the scene, there were precursors um, to Jesus. There were uh, foreshadows and examples uh, of, a, of, of, of Jesus Christ. Moses was a foreshadow. Uh, David was a foreshadow. Um, Melchizedek was a, a foreshadow of Christ. And then came Jesus Christ, who was God in flesh. He was the fullness of God in human form. And so when I think about the devil being an imitator, one who copies the things of God, I think, okay, he's got all these people that are precursors. They're foreshadows. They're little antichrists, so to speak. All these popes, all these figureheads, and you could say all the other false teachers, all the Buddhas, all the uh, whatever other head, all the Dalai Lamas, these have all been antichrists. Um, I think popery is, is the head of that, is the main power source, where you would say it's the seat of Satan. And so we've had all these precursors, all these foreshadows. Um, will there come a point in time where, where Satan himself uh, copies God and takes on human flesh? Like f- f- the fullness of Satan in a human form, you know, putting his full spirit into a person. And I think that person will be uh, the Pope, whoever whoever the Pope is at that time, when Satan's cast down from heaven, um, you know, whatever that means. There, there's a mystery there, too, because, uh, well, I mean, he, he, he currently roams back and forth on earth, but uh, it would seem to be that there's coming a point in time where he'll, he'll no longer have access to the throne room. And it says then knowing that his time is short, um, he'll... he'll cause chaos on earth. So I feel like there's coming a point in time where there there will probably be a fullness of Satan in body form, and that person will be at the head of the Roman Catholic system, because that is the seat of Satan. That is that Antichrist system. And then we could give him the name Antichrist or or beast or or woman who rides the beast or the little horn or the man of sin or whatever it is. Um, in the meantime, each of the popes that we've had to deal with is an antichrist in in themselves and also has that spirit of satan in the same way that melchizedek was a representative of christ and 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 moses was a representative of christ these popes are representatives of satan 
And uh, in them is that spirit of Satan. You can see it in their eyes. Anybody with discernment you know, can go and look at the popes and, and see the darkness, see the evil in them. And um, so I, I can't remember where my thought culminated on this the other day, but I was just thinking, because I'd, I'd heard some rumors about the pope uh, being arrested or something like that. And I thought, man, I, I don't know. You know, this this world system belongs to Satan. And uh, that's his, his seat of power, one of his seats of power. Uh, it's his ecclesiastical seat of power. It's his, his his religious seat of power. He also has a financial seat of power with the world banks and uh, the corporations, and he's got uh, um, military seat of power with Washington D.C. So, um, I don't know what my ultimate thought on that was, but I was just, I, I guess it was just thinking about how there were precursors to Christ and then God came in the flesh. So I wonder if there's precursors to Satan and then he's coming in the flesh in the last days. And uh it just it, it would make sense. Um and I do believe we're getting really close to those last days. I think we're getting pretty close to the one world empire. It would seem like all the events going on are are certainly leading in that direction. And uh, things seem to be speeding up. Uh, whether or not the Lord delays it, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, like I say, crazy times we're living in and, and interesting things to think about. So um, anyways, um, the last thing I'm going to talk about here before I let you go is uh, a topic that, again, is often on my mind and something I've talked about uh, numerous times here on this podcast one of my greatest struggles as a Christian is is my critical spirit, my um, cynicism, my 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 pride, my ego, my attitude um, that often comes across in coarse jesting. You know, I I, I mask it in humor, and uh, but it's really just um, a brother used the word alienating. I tend to alienate people through through this this cynicism and criticism. And and I've mentioned several on several podcasts. You know, it's it's because it, the reason it comes up so often is because this is probably my biggest struggle that I have. One of one of two one of two biggest struggles that I have is with my with this this prideful ego, wanting people to submit to me, wanting wanting people to um, bend themselves to my desires. People ought to do what I want to do and like what I want to like. And so it's like this, this, this sickening ego that's in me that, um, is one of my biggest problems. And so recently I've, I've been trying to make an effort, um, to be more humble and kind in, in my attitude and my language, um, especially with my small group of friends. I'm trying to, um, submit myself to them and and care about the things they care about and 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 not be critical not not tear down their ideas or their their likes and dislikes but to just to 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 accept them to acknowledge um them and and to submit myself to them and to appreciate them and and so I'm trying to do that and I'm also trying to soften my language I'm trying to um and like I say, a lot of this comes across in joking. Like, like in my small group of friends, you know, a lot of our our humor is picking picking on each other, um, calling each other names, or or just you know, 
whatever. And, and, and because it's done in humor, because it's done as a jest, it's often just brushed under the table. You know, it's, uh, uh, there's no real offense taken to it. It's just a, a joke, but it's grievous. And it's like, you know, Christians shouldn't be talking like this. We ought to have clean, wholesome language. We ought to have pure language. And, and so I've been trying here recently to just soften my tongue to, to not speak harsh, critical words to my brothers and sisters, but to, to, to accept them and to love them and, and to speak good things. Um, because when we're together as a body, we desire spiritual atmosphere. We, we desire, um, to have the presence of God with us. It's, you know, uh, our, our fellowship has often turned, um, to just joking around instead of spiritual activities. And then it's like, are we any different than the world? Isn't, you know, and yeah, we're not cussing and swearing and drinking and smoking, but, but other than that, if some the world would be pretty comfortable with us because we're just sitting around telling jokes, playing games, you know where where's the spiritual benefit in this? Where's where's the where's the wholesomeness in there? Where where's the holiness? And so a part of that is is you know guarding my own tongue, just trying to be careful um, about how I speak to my brothers and sisters. You know when they do something silly, to not just cut them down automatically with a joke. Uh, but to just be kind and gentle. Um, so it's just something I've been focusing on here uh, recently and just kind of refocused on it again this weekend um, to have a humble and, and gentle language. You know, it's it's the tongue is so important. The scriptures talk often about our tongues and how, how we have the the ability to tear down or build up with our tongues, how the tongue is a fire, you know, it's untamable. Um, that we're supposed to be slow to speak, um, because you know the out of the out of the abundance of the heart um, comes the language. We we speak what is in our heart, and so when your heart is full of of um, insecurity and selfishness and um, pride and ego, your language is going to reflect that, and it's a very damaging thing. It's a it's a it's a harsh, hard language, even when it's done in jest, even when it's done in sarcasm or or coarse jesting. It still is is it has that barb that 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 prick to it that that um, it damages. And so I I don't want to have that damaging language. I want to have peaceful language. I want to have loving language. And and so um, I just uh, you know like I say I just got kind of refocused on it this year weekend. And it's hard to do because everybody's grown so accustomed to everybody else always joking around that when one person tries to maintain a level of wholesome talk, everybody else is still goofing around and joking. And it's really easy to get sucked right back into that. It's hard to maintain a wholesome tongue. Um, but I am I, I am determined. I am focused on it. Um, I have been for years, but it's like, you know, something's got to get done here. I, I've got to set aside this pride, set aside this this low self-esteem and, and, and fear of rejection and, and um, you know, just, just, love and be humble and be kind and be gentle because because that's what we're called to be uh but anyways um i guess that that's all i got for you guys here tonight uh so i'm gonna wrap up um as always i appreciate you guys listening um i love you and lord willing we'll talk to you next time all right stay classy san diego